You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Matthew William. What is up, man? Thanks for having me, dude. Oh, dude, pleasure to have you aboard. I'm glad you wanted to come on to the podcast. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and if you want what you do professionally? Yeah, man. So yeah, obviously, uh, I'm Matt. I uh, mainly, my, my main thing for networking, like obviously I do a podcast as well, American Slacker Podcast. Uh, check us out. Jesse was on earlier. Hopefully he dug what he had to say. Shameless but, plug, shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, you got to put it in there. Um, but by day, dude, what I do is I'm a general manager at Dog Watch Hidden Fence um, and also like an installation technician too, which is a really cool gig because like I love working with animals. Wait, so what are we talking about by dog watcher? Like you just get to babysit basically someone at someone's house? No, 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 no. I do electronic fencing for animals. Oh, shit. The shock collars. Yeah, mainly it's dogs, but you know, it's, it's cats as well. And now it's extended to things like fucking pigs. So it's gotten wild. Well, okay, so how are they – because I know a lot of people talk about it looks like animal abuse, and I've actually been shocked by one of those things before. It's not too bad, but, like, what's the biggest problem you see with that? So, obviously, what you just said is, like, the number one combatant thing against my, like, business. But what I would say to that is we'd rather the dog get a pinch in the yard than get smoked by a car, right? I mean, realistically, what we're dealing with here is you're feeling it when you test it as a human – you're going to feel it a little more because you, you don't have the same skin as an animal. Their skin is a little more tough and rough compared to yours. So the way that you transmit that little shock is a little different as well. Man. So there's a lot to it, dude. And plus the way my company does it, we take pride in how we work with our animals. So like we're very minimal with the shock. We teach them on audio for a while. Like it's, it's a whole process. It's not just shocking the hell out of an animal. It's probably the people being up your ass the most. You got like PETA and stuff that comes down on you a little bit about oh, animal abuse or something. Cause dude, I had a certain experience um, in my town of ocean city, Maryland. I mean, we're a beach town, but my buddy got Newfoundland dogs. And if you know anything about Newfoundlands, they're meant to be in the cold snow. We're in 90 degree weather, basically um, super, super hot. They're all black fur. So they are literally dying. Like I remember one time it snowed, we just left them out there. He did not want to come inside and people would call on us about animal abuse. But we would put these giant um, shock collars on them and we had a little thing that would give them a little zap. We wouldn't, we really couldn't use it at a low level. We had to use it at a high level because they're 175 pounds and they're only a year (laughs) and a half old. So it's like this thing's like a tank. If he goes, you're going with him. So we'd put it on 10 and hit him with the zap or whatever. He would just take it like a champ and people would freak out. Yeah, I've seen that a dozen times, dude. And when we get up to that size, we generally have like more prongs on the collar. So it's like heavy metal looking type deal. <laughs> it's like covered in spikes, but it's transmitting like the shock through all of those diodes. So that like it actually the dog feels it, you know, <laughs> I try to wonder if we could probably correct people if we put shock collars on them. But I feel like that would be abuse. I'm pretty sure there was a couple of colleges that did experiments with that kind of thing and got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm not saying that we do it like Fallout does where the shock collar explodes. I'm just saying that it would be nice, like especially what we're dealing with now with people on house arrest, basically. It's like, let's just put it around your neck instead of your ankle. Ooh, that is a good candidate. Like people that are on house arrest, like it's like, we'll shorten your time by half if you want to take part in an experimental program. 
Because <laughs> we basically do have shot collars, I think, for um, people. But I think it just goes on our ankle. I'm like, why does the dog get it around their throat and we don't get it like that? We should get something like around like a certain organ that is specific to your gender. <laughs> is there a movie about this? Because if not, there needs to be. <laughs> right? Just the apo- – what would we call it, though? Shocking the nation? That's perfect. Shockpocalypse. Shockpocalypse. <laughs> Shocknado. Oh, dude. Easy ride on publicity. Dude. I can't believe how much that blew up, by the way. That was such a shitty film. Six movies, basically. I'm pretty sure they're still going. It's like, but I mean, I get it. It's like if you put two people that are trying to make a story in a room, like, what's some good ideas for a movie? And one dude's like sharks, another dude's like tornadoes. And then we're like, bam, put those two together and we got a show. <laughs> true, true, man. Uh, I, I think that's one of my like long lost dreams is I wanted to either do voice acting or I wanted to be in a storyboard room and just create movie ideas. Cause I feel like sometimes I'm watching family guy. I'm like, I could easily think of this shit if I just hit a joint. Yeah, dude. And I don't know if anything is rewarding, like as being a creator, like I know, like you, you feel it with the podcast. Like it's once you create and create and create, it's like, it's a proud accomplishment. And like, it almost gets addicting at a point. It's more like, you start off doing it and then you start hearing that people are listening to you and you're like, now you feel required to produce content. And it's like, it's a good feeling because it helps you and your buddies get together and make sure you get this episode done. Like a reliance on mm. you. Yeah, man. And I don't know if you're, are you involved in music at any way or my whole family's music? Yeah. So I, I I'm a musician as well. Like I have a music video and an, um, I'm going to be appearing on an album coming out uh, April 24th. And like, that's been like a huge accomplishment. Like that's like, we've been working on for a while and like now it's finally coming out. So it's like, dude, it's so addicting to do music. I feel like, especially like a little more than podcasting, but I feel it with podcasting as well. Do you like it just cause you're the producing background type thing more like, like starting something and being involved into it. Like for me, I started off doing music cause my whole family's either broadcasting or everybody's in a band, but me. Um, I, I played on the radio a few times and I've had Howie Spangler from Ballyhoo on the podcast, but it's, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. I love enjoying music. I love talking to artists and seeing their kind of way of interpreting it. But I feel like if you just tell me the notes, I'll hit them that way. Um, but this is just way more natural for me. I feel like I can easily, cause it's just talking. Dude, that's what I love about podcasting, especially is like, it's just this open conversation. You never know where it's going to go. And you don't get that every day. Like, it's so weird how disconnected we are in everyday, like, w- world, you know, compared to, like, you know, sitting down, like, we're going to do an hour. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk about God knows what. It's going to be fucking fun, man. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. That's the best thing about podcasting. It's, it's a new fucking thing that's really blowing up. Yeah, you see a lot of people starting to do it now. I think only like 3% of podcasters do what I do, where it's like just a conversation, basically. Everybody else kind of just narrows down specific topics and stuff. Mine's just picking out random people out of a bush. But like yours is pretty cool because you guys go get guests. You guys, um, do you, I mean, what topics do you typically focus on? I know Jesse was telling me some of the ones he favored, on, but what are you favoring? So just to give context, we have a two-in-one show, basically. American Slacker is, you know, every other episode is a different show. One's an interview show with a guest, and the other show is me and Jesse. We cover the bizarre news of the week, the the past two weeks generally, because we had a guest on, so it gives us two weeks of material there. And uh, that's the meat of our show. And then we usually cover something like we're going to, you know, hit you with movies that we like or music. And then we're going to wrap it up with a game. You know, we usually do something like that, a real chill format. You know, that way it gives people something, you know, if you, you don't want, you know, that crazy 
American Slacker Comedy, you can go and do our interviews where we just sit down and do exactly what me and you are doing right now. Do you randomly just get a topic and then start talking about it, or do you think about one and send it over and see what you guys think about maybe doing it? Um, well, that depends. Like, so interview, we let the guests control it. You know, we just, you know, want to hear about them, what they're up to, what they're doing. And, you know, I mean, we could spend 40 minutes talking about dicks, honestly. Like, it, it's weird. Um, but when it's me and Jesse, me and Jesse script our podcast almost. We um, we write down a lot of talking points and, you know, everything's known about beforehand for the most part. Except for, you know, like when we're joking around. But it's really a, a lot more uh, work before the, the actual process of recording. I do enjoy doing this conversation style with so many just random people like, hey, let's do a podcast. And next thing you know, you're learning and kind of getting experiences. That's fun. But I did another one way back in the day called fill in the blank. Dude, let me tell you something. Picking out specific topics. I was just I would ask my buddies, hey, what are you interested in? We're, we're going to shoot a podcast. They'd be sitting on my couch or something. My buddy just tosses out 19th century Victorian surgery. So I just printed out like 50 articles on Victorian surgery all about like I read a couple books on it, too. But dude, I gathered so much useless bullshit like you want to talk about bird watching being an awesome hobby and knowing all types of birds. I could tell you about every single government program, but I couldn't tell you, um, you know, what year JFK was president. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, man. And you know, like, I think to go back to like your question, I think my favorite topics would generally be like, not really a topic, but it just would be the interviews. Cause I love this shit. I love hearing how another person thinks I love, just hearing the thought process behind another mind, you know? So it's so interesting. You can get so caught up in how you are in your world, but if you expand by, you know, networking, interacting with a lot more people from different fucking lifestyles, dude, you're going to get a better take on what life's about. So what would you have be say, I guess would be the main thing that sticks out into your mind that a guest has probably said. Oh, that's a good one. Oh man. For me, I'm a total like um, fanboy. So you know, having on people that I see, you know, interact with legends or just do things that like, I'm just envious about, um, to come to mind. Um, one of my favorite bands ever, not, you know, like they're not even the biggest like act we've had on, but like we've had on a band, um, lead singer that we love Dan Simons of just surrender. And like hearing him talk about touring was pretty fucking interesting. Cause it was a band I grew up and Jesse grew up like loving. We followed them. Like, we were at every album release and like, cause they were from our area. And, um, you know, so just hearing like the behind the scenes thing, I think was like the best part for me. Yeah. I got that when I listened to, um, the documentary and kind of the Joe Rogan podcast with, um, Travis Barker from Blink-182. And oh when, man, yeah. When he talked about being in that plane crash and then being severely burned and everything and thinking his friends were still alive, dude, I had that same kind of realization and kind of real experience when I was talking to um, a buddy of mine who was on my podcast. Uh, he, you know, he's a crazy kid in school. Good dude. Amazing guy. Um, his name's Timmy uh, Gingrich and he got into a car accident and killed his passenger and he got his foot ripped off. He got his whole body severely messed up, like got a scar all the way down his face. Um, but he goes to schools now and tries to educate kids on drunk driving and how dangerous it is. And like, dude, to see that and feel that real moment, like the weight of the room feels like he gets sucked into a vacuum. Like it is nuts. Yeah, dude. Now that's, yeah, that's a make you feel something moment. Yeah. That's a wild thing to do. Wow. If there's one thing, I guess one person you'd want to talk to who's alive, who would it be? Who's alive today? Yes. Ooh. 
I would tell you it'd be Ryan Reynolds for me. Oh, I love that guy so much. I would ask him why he shits on his own movie called The Green Lantern that I love so much. Oh, my God. Man, that's a tough one. Today, man, I would, you know, I'd like to honestly, like, just sit down with Rogan. Like, you mentioned him before, but, like, he was, like, honestly why we started podcasting. Um, Yeah. I got into listening to podcasts from him. Um, He gets a lot of hate, I've noticed. Like, just being, you know, he's a machismo type of guy, but, like, there's a lot of layers to that dude. And I think what he does with his show alone is like a big public service. Honestly, you know, he makes a fortune doing it, but I, I think it's better than any main media. You get to really know people on his show. Um, I, just, a- I would love to sit down and talk to him and ask him some of the same questions you're asking me. Like what are some of the most you know meaningful things that have happened during your, your podcast or memories of life? Like, I enjoy his podcast is like kind of like you were saying, like one of the reasons I started too. Um, but I feel like he's changed a lot now. You tell he's going after certain guests of like high importance, not really talking to a whole lot of people that are like, you know, it's all about a promotional thing. Like he has, still has his buddies on, but they just release comedy specials. And that's why he had them on. Like, you know, like that was a whole thing. Like Mm. they don't really get together and like, he's just like, let's do a podcast. It's more like he's just getting people that have something going on. And I'm like, I get it. Cause that's where the views come in. And that's kind of what it's turned into since he's done so many. Well, that's what I like about it, though, is like it is a lot of mainstream, but you get access to like stories that you're not going to hear, you know, if you watch like a clip from fucking The Tonight Show or, you know, whatever shitty, you know, fan documentaries there are on YouTube or whatever. There's a good podcast I pointed Jesse towards. I'm going to point you towards after this podcast, dude. Okay. Okay. We're always down. <laughs> Listen more. <laughs> it's good experiences. It's a famous comedian, Ryan Sickler. He's been on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, yeah. But- I know cra- it's called the crab feast man i'm telling you that's a that's I've a hell of a podcast. It out. yeah dude i'll definitely be checking that shit out um, now when we talk about like things that you're interested in now i know you're interested a little bit into photography as well dude i love it i love it man um uh mainly i'm into cell phone photography anymore um i it's getting to the point where cell phones have caught up i think and uh to what you need and again photography is not about what you're using even like I have so much respect for the dudes that are still fucking with film. That's amazing. If you're out there and you are fucking developing, like I just fucking props to you because that's something I gave up years ago and I'm in the digital realm and it's just something I stick to is photography and cell phone. I actually just picked up the S 20 ultra dude and I'm in love with this fucking thing. I, I understand what you're saying about uh, cell phones catching up and stuff. I mean, I never had the best equipment for taking a picture. I never had like a mm-hmm. Dyson camera. I never had like an $800 camera or whatever. I always had my cell phone. But I feel like if you can find good angles and know a good spot and a really good picture through your own imagination, and then you're able to kind of capture it in a moment. Like for me, it was like lying down in the middle of the street and taking pictures of some rocks that I found stacked up on top of each other while lying on that you know yellow black line or whatever in the middle of a road like that looked good at the angle i shot it from and it was done off a crappy iphone so it was like Mm -hmm. i did that over a master camera and that got i mean a ton of views and got put on my town's facebook page so i was like you can get a moment like that it's about finding it though dude it's about finding it but they're all around you wouldn't believe it i mean in your own house there's possibilities to make a beautiful shot that's the thing about photography and it captures pieces of life that you overlook. And that's one thing that I really appreciated about it as well. Um, I, I constantly take photos, dude. Like I've got, 
I've got more memory cards and hard drives than anyone should ever have. Um, and uh, it's just something I love. And like, I'm in the, into videography as well, like, which is you can apply a lot of the same lessons as well. Like in film, you want to learn to shoot to um, edit, which is basically where you want to like imagine what you want in the post. Okay. And it's exactly like taking a framed photo. Okay. Cause it's like, you're, you don't want to have to do anything in post. You don't want to have to edit it. You want it to be beautiful from the shot. Okay. And it, it makes less work in posts. And plus it, it's just more authentic, I think. Well, it's crazy to see like me talking to someone like you and then talking to a, a person who's never done a podcast before, been involved in podcasting or videos in general. You know how it works. You know exactly when there needs to be silence. You know, if you're making noise on your end, you got to do something with your mic to make sure it doesn't mess up recording. You know about the pauses, you know about the speak times. It's a completely different kind of perspective that gets added. And it's the same thing when you start videoing or, um, you know, creating scenes to a movie, doing a bunch of editing and stuff. You start to realize how everything starts to come together and then you correct yourself the next time so the point where you understand a little bit i mean i took video classes in school i think the funnest part was i would do these scenes from movies man and i remember doing a scene in my kitchen with two of my friends it's the scene from anger management with adam sandler and dude okay he's making he's making the eggs i gotta send you this video dude I want to see it. (laughs) He's he's making these eggs, man. And he hands me the plate and I like, look at the, look at the eggs and I like hold it up with a fork, put the eggs back on the plate and just grab my plate and throw it right against my refrigerator. Dude, glass breaks everywhere. And I'm like, I said over easy. (laughs) Oh, you were Jack Nicholson. Yes, dude. It was the fun. But we did that. That's hard to play. (laughs) We did that through Instagram. And then we started doing stuff like happy Gilmore. And then we started doing like just a bunch of random scenes and people were losing their minds. I'm like, it's so easy to create something. If you just put a little time and effort into it. Now with this whole situation that's going on currently, have you noticed the boom? Like, that's what I was talking about with podcasting. I I felt like I I said something that could be taken out of context. I'm not talking about like podcasting is just booming. Now podcasting has been around for a decade, but Right now, I've noticed that with the quarantine, a lot of people are out of jobs. I'm noticing people are taking the fucking step. They're trying to create. And I really dig it, dude, because I'm seeing a lot of cool content right now. Yeah, I'm liking it that um, people are being a little bit more creative with their free time. I mean, when you get bored, you start taking videos of your cat and stuff. I think that's like the main thing. But um, when uh, <laughs> it comes to other podcasters like us or something that are like our views, you notice the views drop because people aren't on their commute to work. Dude, yes. I've noticed so we've noticed um our our actual audio drop, but video has gone up, which I don't know if there's a link there or what. We're hoping, you know, like it, it it's helping us, but the the YouTube has helped us out. I don't know if your YouTube views have gone up, dude, but like my YouTube's it's basically the same as um the audio cuz I just only put up audio. I don't really do video. It's just I've I I mean, I wouldn't mind doing it if someone wants to stare at my ugly mug all day, but it's just the fact is it's so much easier to do my podcast when you can just tell people they can be in their sweatpants. True. Comfortability is like a big process too. Like we get people that even big acts, dude, you'd be surprised what big names have come on the show and been a little antsy to begin with. And it's like, we're doing a zoom talk. Like we're doing like, we're not even in person, like, you know, relax. Like, so sometimes it requires a talk beforehand if we're, you know, cause we're doing video, you know, like to calm them down. 
that's see that's what's good about like you just guys not really having to rely on guests more like it's just you and your co-host um jesse but for like me it's just difficult because people want to scripted questions they want all these things i'm like look bro the name says it all i don't know how else to explain it yeah and i think that's the beautiful thing of it because i mean I'm not a fan of hard scripted, to be honest. Like, that's not my thing. Like, I there's so many off topics that are going to happen that you can't imagine beforehand. Well, it's like, why, oh. the, why do ladybugs have spots on them? I want to know that. Nobody's giving me an answer. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to be the guy either. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I mean, out of everything, I guess I've kind of learned just through podcasting and doing so much. I think it's amazing when people start doing their own stuff, man. The creative talent and to see what is so popular in today's society. Like if you just make a true crime podcast, it's immediately getting like a thousand follows on Instagram. Yeah, the niche thing is, you know, you can. But here's the thing about that. It gets it oversaturates the market real quick. Like for me, true crime is over already. Like I've selected the ones that I'm going to continue to watch. And now it's a really hard market to break through for me because everybody's doing the same topics, the same murders, the same robberies, whatever it may be. And I want to hear more authentic shit. Like I'm always into skit comedy stuff or, or, you know, actually scripted things are a big thing. Like the phenomenon was a big thing for me. I love that. It's a real production show, like in audio only though. Yeah. I mean, I love seeing movie podcasts and stuff, but it's like, yeah, like you're saying, they all do the same thing. Next thing you know, you're following like five different pages. You start seeing them like do the same thing. And it's just a different take on like the same movie. I get it, but a lot of it falls around the same basis as things too. I mean, everyone likes to think they're really original, but it's like, you're pulling influence from somewhere. Like that's your first couple episodes. It's like, it's going to seem like it's structured off another show. Yeah. In this day and age, it's pretty fucking hard to be original in anything you say or do. I mean, we've, we've had a solid hundred years of entertainment now. And I mean, people are constantly pulling from different eras, you know, and different eras are coming back in popularity. Um, it's something you notice in music too. Like Synthwave is huge again, like is huge right now rather, which is like the eighties being reborn. I really hope we come back to the roller blades, like the roller rinks. I suck yes. at fucking roller rinking or whatever you want to call it. I don't even know how to pluralize that, but let me tell you something. <laughs> that shit today, I would be, if even if it comes back when I'm 30, so like in 10 years, I would be more than happy to get some shoulder pads, get a football helmet on, and just start decking small little children on the freaking court. Dude, I've, all right, so I, it's not roller rinking, but I've been ice rinking, all right? Uh, the, like I just started, like my girlfriend's made me go a few times and dude, the little kids, I damn near killed a few. I haven't yet, but I have damn near. I've been like, decked by a little kid, man. They're ir dude. They are so irresponsible. They will just cut you off, fly into you, do all kinds of shenanigans. And we I'm not about it. We sound like our fucking grandparents, man. <laughs> dude, this has turned into the old man complaining podcast. I was literally, I think 14 years old. The last time I actually skated on ice. And I remember a freaking like nine year old just going right and hitting the back of my like knees to where it makes your legs buckle. Dude, I slammed head first right on the fucking ice he's lucky i have a hard head dude because i got up and i wanted to deck this kid so bad and yeah that's the thing is like i feel like life is learning patience around little kids if you had to say like one thing coming back from like the past what would you want to come back what do you mean like uh like a remake or something it could be a tv show it can be let's Ooh. start with a tv show because that's the easiest one for me dude. it's gonna be johnny bravo 
All right, so I'm going to go weird. I'm going to go Freaks and Geeks. I don't know if you even know what that is. Freaks and Geeks with James Franco. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, so I would bring that back. Where are they now? Right? Damn, uh, okay. So like that's uh, sent... Oh. Judd Apatow gets the fucking reins again. Um, it would be a fun fucking adventure, I think. And it's a show that I think it got canceled way too early. And all of today's stars are in that fucking show. That's what I'm saying, dude. If you start to notice, like, Friends, those types of shows that came out, like, it seemed like it was going to be a stupid idea. Then they took this shot. Like, did you know Jennifer Aniston passed up the role to be on SNL with Adam Sandler just to be on Friends? And everyone was telling what? her it wasn't going to work. And she fucking did it. She's the reason I, never I heard even that. watch. Dude, their fucking mailbox money from that show alone is more than most actors will make in their life. Like, it's insane. I think like, that generation of actors was like they got hit in the right time. Ashton Kutcher, Sean William Scott, um, Johnny Knoxville, they're all around the same kind of age. But they hit like right when TV and movies were like big, like they were becoming like colored. They were becoming like all like Forrest Gump movies were coming out like these just amazing shows were being created yeah man yeah I love the progress like I watched you know like uh, growing up I've been a fanatic of like shows and film like I've been a tv kid like I always like wanted to work in the industry but I grew up on the east coast which was like I knew I was far away and just it just didn't work out it's just not like how it like panned out but like dude I was just a big fan of like watching the different eras and like the difference in like what was popping and like what progress what was taken from like the new creation and kept you know the evolution really well it structures people too you start to see people nowadays like were you an 80s kid were you a 90s kid were you 2000s kid and it's like True. whatever you got a certain nostalgia feel for i mean for me it was like nostalgia is you know johnny bravo teen titans Yu-Gi-Oh cards pokemon cards dragon ball z you know like these just simple things that were on in my time period where I think of now and I'm like, I'm walking around a Walmart wearing a fucking Dragon Ball Z commie house t-shirt. Fuck yeah, dude. And that's the thing like, dude, I don't know if you noticed, like I'm huge. And so like, I'm huge in a nerd culture. I love, I collect action figures. I collect everything. I'm like a fucking total into, especially like uh, our era, like as kids, Power Rangers, Star Wars, shit like that. And like, I'm noticing, like, I love the, the lift off of like, where it's not like a fucking stigma to collect or like to be into shit anymore. Like, dude, I got Bakugan, man. I have over, I think 150 of them. I found at a yard sale for five bucks. I was like, oh, yes, dude, that's awesome. I mean, I know that sh I never really even got super into the show, but the fucking that's a toy above its generation. I knew it was going to make a comeback and they got just they like. A couple of months ago, we're put back into Walmart. And I was like, yeah, because it's a freaking toy that you roll it and it turns into a monster. How is that? I mean, easy bake That's ovens were the it. shit. This is I've the never shit. seen this or heard of this. So I'm fucking going to look this up as soon as I get off the podcast because like I'm huge into this like weird, like whatever, like shit. Like, You've never amazing. heard of Bakugan? Dude, never fucking heard of it, dude. Dude, look up these little toys. They're like the size of right now. You got to just it's the size of a marble you roll it on a little metal card the thing pops up they have dragons they have krakens they have i mean the ones now are insane where they're like look like actual oh, lines dude they are expensive as hell but they are fun as shit to play with you don't really i mean oh, I just they look are expensive at them, dude. as fuck dude they're like 30 dollars 35 dollars for a three pack 
I'm telling you, man, that's that's probably the shitty characters that nobody wants to. You know it, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. My favorite one's probably the Prey Mantis one because it looks so legit. I'm like, but this is stuff like amazing toys that were totally glossed dude, over. Like, everyone. Why you gotta f- mention this now? I want to collect these. <laughs> Look, everyone forgets scanners, dude. Scanners. Remember, there's a little thing. It's like a little handheld Game Boy. You would oh, run up and you would shit. scan a barcode, and then you scan yep. the barcode to get a monster, dude yes dude okay so that i never had that i had a friend that had that and like he would do that every time like we were at the mall or whatever like as kids that was like our hangout when we were kids go get dropped off at the mall that seems like so bad nowadays <laughs> fucking six-year-old seven-year-old us like doing that shit man this is where i started looking back like back in the days when stuff was so simple i mean getting dropped off at the movies you didn't have to worry about getting kidnapped you would scooter oh. home you would Dude, literally yes. be able to scooter, walk home. Your parents be like, just be back this time. That's all you had to worry about now. You can't even let your kids go down the street. No, nah, dude, no. Nah, there's too many true crime podcasts that are fucking just making you paranoid. This is what the guy did. He <laughs> killed him this way. He should have got away with this. I'm going to go try it. And then it just runs out in the middle of the street. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like there was definitely a couple chances for me and my friends will get jacked by some kind of pedo out there at the mall. <laughs> Have you ever had a sketchy experience as a kid where you feel like you were going to yes. get? Okay. So not me, but dude. Okay. So I was, um, all right. So I, this was like at the, the fair, the local fair. And uh, me, we were 15 years old. We, we just gotten our like green cards to work. And uh, you we got were, a hand job over a funnel cake. No. Oh God. No, dude. Come on. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um we uh me and my a few of my friends got jobs working in the parking lot like doing a little fucking you know waving people on parking them and shit and uh we thought that was cool as shit we were gonna get paid you know work together and this one creepy guy that was like a photographer came up and he was like huh you could be models and he was really focused on one of my friends like he really focused on him he was blonde haired kid and he like was like you know kind of ripped for a young kid so he was like really focused on him and he asked him to lift his shirt. And like, we didn't know at the time, but like at looking back at the point, it's like, oh yeah, that kid, that guy was a, definitely a pedophile. I mean, if you're working at a carnival, probably <laughs> unless, I mean, there's some no, guys. No, it's the biggest really fair in upstate New York guy. All right. It's not just some like little carnival. It's a huge event. All right. So it wasn't just that. <laughs> I had an experience when I was, I mean, I didn't get taken away, but there was a moment where I was like, thought it was going to happen. I remember I was with my grandma and she's in, she lives in Baltimore. So we would always go to like Ooh. this like little state fair that would be down there. Um, okay. And I remember she got on those like uh, guess your weight or guess your age type machine things. And my grandma, she had my dad when she was young, like 16. So she looks like my mom basically. And uh, it, I was like probably 12 or 14 at the time. And I remember she got the prize. Like the guy's like, let me guess. You're like 45. And she's like, no, I'm 64. And like the guy's like, damn. And um, next thing you know, I get a prize or something. So we're walking. And then she goes, I have to use the bathroom real quick. And then there was like um, a dude that worked at the fair. He was dressed up like in a cowboy outfit and had like the horses and stuff off to the side. He was like, hey, you want to see this horse? I was like, sure. And I started going back there. What? And I – I stopped myself. I was like, wait a minute. I should definitely wait for her. And then like my grandma got out of the bathroom. I was like, come over here. This guy wants to show me his horse. My grandma was like, what? 
and comes over and she goes, are you trying to show my grandson a horse? He goes, no, no, no. I don't know what you're, I don't know what he's talking about. And like that moment, I didn't really realize it until like not even a few months later when my dad was talking to me about it. I was like, oh shit, that's when I could have got molested. Dude, you were a split second, split second from being a victim. That's crazy. Could have got me a funnel cake. Dude, I don't know if you were getting a funnel cake <laughs> as a reward for that one, bud. <laughs> I don't think there's a funnel cake at the end of the pedophile rainbow. I'm pretty sure. Dude, that reminds me of the game Candyland. Oh, dude, now we're talking the same language. That was my shit when I was about four or five years old. Ah, oh, dude, see, maybe that was a program for young kids. Dude, it could have been, dude. Candyland programming, like, candy is the shit. Every time you see candy, go for it. It doesn't matter if it's in the back of the van or not. <laughs> but what candy would you go for that would get you into a van? Ooh, what, like were we talking like when I was five? What's what's yeah? Let's see a candy when you were five and a I'm candy. I'm a big candy guy these days. Like I'm like I fuck with chocolates, but that's about it. <laughs> um, uh, back in the day, dude, I fucked with every candy. Like I loved candy. You know, you could get me with like Fun Dip. Even I don't know, dude. Fun Dip was a like a fun little thing when I was a kid. Fuck fun dip, dude. I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten. I've You're gonna lost, say fuck fun dip. I've lost relationships, friendships over fun dip, dude. I'll never forget going to Florida. <laughs> we would take these like twelve or fourteen hour drives from Maryland to Florida, man, all in one shot. My mom would stop and get like a like a happy meal or something for me and my brother. So that's when Neopets were huge. So oh, yeah. we would play with those and she would like, all right, we're going to stop at the store. And she'd give you that briefing before you go in the store. Like, don't fucking touch anything, you know, just stay, you know, don't ask me for anything. I'll have money for it. I'm like, all right, cool. But yep. We'd always grab something. And Oh yeah. Oh now, yeah. Baby bottle pops, dude. Yes, dude. Okay. Dude. Yes. So I fucked with them hard too. You lick the top of the baby bottle pop and then you turn it over and dip it in that sugar that's below it. So Back in the day, cars had little things where the door handles were for you to put your cigarette out in. So yeah. I filled it up with the sugar from the baby bottle pop, and I started oh my sticking my God. baby bottle pop in there, and it got all over this fucking car to the point where my mom dropped me <laughs> off at my grandma's house after driving like 14 hours, said, I have to go to the gas station and fix what you did, and she was gone for three hours. I'm pretty sure she probably went gambling because that was a rough ass experience right there oh my god dude the things you do as kids like it's so fucking funny like i'm just imagining the frustration of looking back and being like you put that sugar inside the fucking ashtray what and then like just seeing it poured all over your lap it's oh my god i'm so glad i don't have do you have kids at all or no no i see no kids i don't think i could do it i i'm scared I know it sounds bad, but like I see a cute little baby in a store and I'll be like, oh, like, you know, you see one of those like uh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds babies. You just want to look at it. You know what I mean? But let me yeah, tell you something. You don't want to bring get, it home. Yeah. You get those moments where you come across like a toddler in a store screaming and freaking out. I'm like, lock his ass in a hot car. Dude, have you ever been on a plane with a toddler screaming and acting a fool? Every time. Yeah, dude, that's been my last like four flights. I feel like it's just a kid out of nowhere, just meow, and the mom just does nothing to shut that kid up, dude. And I'm like, hey, give me that kid. We'll just put him in the bathroom, lock yeah. it up, suck him down <laughs> that toilet that freaking goes to <laughs> hell and back. Holy crap! I was just thinking, just like lock him in there, but you know, hey, there's multiple 
alternatives Dude, to what you know <laughs> any movie theater i've been to any airplane i've been on and even my college graduation there's a baby fucking crying every time and i'm like really really oh Dude, I haven't had the movie experience really. It, usually, it's just people talking or like their cell phone like going off and shit. And it's just some, that. Never a baby. If I had to ask you, what's your worst injury as a kid? Uh, dude, I've never broken a bone. I'm a lucky kid. Okay, what's your worst um, injury as an adult? Wor- well, I was gonna say the worst injury. I used to be into a lot of like uh, BMX racing and shit and skateboarding. And I like constantly would fall to my knees without knee pads. And like, I've worn off like the skin on my knees and elbows many times. Like, and I'm not talking like, oh, it's a little cut. I'm talking like, we're talking like four or five inches of solid skin ripped apart and down to the bone almost. Now we're talking, you mean professional BMX. Dude, I was professional. I raced against Dave Mira and Matt Hoffman. And no, I uh, no, I'm just talking like you know, I was I was diehard into it, dude. Like I was really into like racing with a lot of friends. Um, what what I, was the was bike lucky. you collected? Mongoose. Mongoose. Okay, I collected Eastern. I was a mongoose kid. What did you get? Easterns. Easterns. Okay. Okay. Was well, that a franchise of uh, Diamondback? Yeah, it's like legit, like yeah. $500 freaking BMX bike, dude. It was ridiculous. But I remember. Yeah, I was into high end mongooses, like not the shit you get at Walmart, high end mongoose, like yeah. the good shit. Like, cause they had, they had shitty stuff. They tried to do both. They tried to do like mainstream and like high end. But if you buy like one from Walmart, I learned a couple of times, like you'd be riding and all of a sudden the handlebars will fucking just like fly forward because they just like, they wore the fucking little notches off that are in the handlebar fucking harness. <laughs> I think they were a lot of fun too. Like you start getting one and then you want to collect a bunch of different ones and try and design them, like customize the grips, customize the tires, customize pegs. like, yeah, the seats. <laughs> Dude, yeah. see, I was always like, I could get on the pegs and stuff, but I couldn't do any of those like popping wheelies or doing any of that type of stuff. I remember one time I tried to run and jump on my bike like as fast as I could, like run out of the house. I know you're excited after school or something. Slammed my nutsack right oh. on the seat, dude. And I cut that thing, dude. I have never been so scared in my entire life. I just <laughs> laid in the driveway and waited for my dad to get home. I mean, legit laid in the driveway for like an oh. hour and a half. My mom's like, "Get what are you doing? I'm like, I have to wait till dad comes home. He's going to know how to fix this. Now you got me thinking about the worst injury of my childhood. The real one that I would have to say, <laughs> this is one that I don't really remember, but I was about uh, three or four years old and I cut my ear off. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What do you mean now, by cut your ear off, Mike Tyson? <laughs> so we, uh, my parents, my parents had gotten um, the like puppies, um, like like a dog had puppies, and like so we had puppies, and they were like in the back like porch area. They were like letting them outside and like hanging out on the back porch, and there was a board. They just put a board up to like stop the dogs from growing off the porch, and it was like a piece of plywood, I guess. So I lifted the plywood, apparently. I was I was fucking strong man toddler, apparently. And went to go under it. And I guess when I went under it and let one hand go, the other side like came down and I let the, the hand go or something. And dude, the plywood literally like fucking just sliced half of my like down half my ear at least, where my ear was hanging. Oh my god. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And uh, fucking had to go to the hospital stitches. I don't remember any of it, but apparently they held, they had to hold me down on the table and stitch me and shit. It was not good. So is that your only stitching experience? Because I mean, only, I had, only, only. I, 
I had one when I was with my grandma. I was saying mentioned earlier, she took me to like shoe shopping or something. And I was going under all the dressing rooms, like just back and forth as like a little game. And I was probably like three or four or something. And I went freaking above my eye. I have a scar that goes through my eyebrow. Even now freaking nailed my forehead right on the, under the door part and just looked at her and she was like, Oh shit. And like, it's just a deep ass cut into my head. Oh, Dude, uh, yeah, you know, I've done a lot of stupid shit as a kid, honestly. Apparently, I stuck, um, like, some kind of necklace in an outlet, and it's not sure if I got zapped or not. Okay, that's not your fault, and that is no fault of any kid that does that at such a young age, because I've done that multiple times. If it looks (laughs) like it can have something go inside of it, then why the hell would you think a toddler wouldn't shove? That's, dude, here's an invention. All the educational shit they give you, right? I mean, it's like plug-and-play, like Legos. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) You're giving me fucking Discovery Channel magazines to read in school. Like, oh, here's school scholastic. Why don't you teach me not to shove something in an electrical outlet and I have to learn the hard way? Those are the best moments, though. If you're a parent, you get to see that thing happen. My dad legit is a great dad, but he watched me stick a fork in an electrical socket and didn't say a damn word. (laughs) Dude, hey, I mean, he's just letting you learn the right way as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I could just picture him just looking at me being like, you sure you want to do that? And next thing you know, I'm like, what? Freaking lights go out and everything. I feel like that that should have been an invention that they should have made back in the day, like a cover for one of those things. I know they ended up making those little things that you put inside of them, like a little plastic tab. I guess people thought it was going to save electricity. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's so a fucking kid doesn't stick something in there. Yeah, and those came well after our childhood, for sure. Those were not around in the early 90s, as far as I'm concerned. I'm a kid. I was born in 88. So uh, <laughs> they did not have that kind of shit. We were working with Clap-On and Chia Pets at the time. All right. Oh, fucking Chia Pets. I was at the age where that was dying out. Oh, dude. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 22. Oh, you are a baby, sir. All right. You are a baby. I am. I almost have a decade on you. I'm turning 32 in April. Uh, I, I never dude. understood what people meant when they said that. And then... I've been going to my gym for like seven years now every day. Yeah. Dude, I saw a bunch of people that looked like they were five years old. They were probably 16 seniors in high school, but I've graduated for like out of, out of school for like five years now. I just looked at oh, him yeah. like, I feel like an old ass. And then this one dude, his name's Rick. He looks over at me. He's like a 65-year-old man, but this dude benches like three plates. He just looks over at me. He goes, you're, you think they look like babies. You look like a fucking infant to me. And I was just like, shut up, Rick. Like, fuck yeah. That's Rick just honestly, I feel like at an old man old man point, that's Rick trying to just be nice to you and be like, dude, you got your whole life ahead of you. You know? Like that's a good point. Like, you know, I got ten years on you, but I'm still young enough to where the old timers do that shit to me as well. And it's like, man, we are, you know, you're gonna notice it. Watch five years, ten years from now, you're gonna be like, damn, that twenty two year old looks like a baby. And you're gonna be like, fuck, oh shit. And you're gonna remember that guy. It's it's always weird too because like people's names back in the day seem like they fit exactly who they are today. Like Rick owns a fishing charter, he owns a oh bait and God, tackle store, weird. but he looks like he would own that stuff. Like people's yeah. names somehow fit their face and then also fit what they're gonna do in life. Yeah, and today it's like haywire. You got fucking talents that are making billions that look like some you know just some like person you would see like on a subway that's like heading to their nine to five you know like it's so weird dude if you were famous would you tell people you were famous or would you just go around wearing like a disguise dude i understand the 
compromise that comes with making that money. Like, I see what they have to deal with. All right. Like, I see the dumb fucks that don't know boundaries constantly berating them at the grocery store, at the airport, you know, just while they're trying to fucking have dinner with their family. Like, so it's like, that's a nightmare, dude. That's, that's a fucking. That's oof. what I felt with Kanye West. A lot of people like were hating him because he was so bad towards publicity. I'm like, dude, he's getting photos by paparazzi taken to him at his own home. Like every five minutes, they just don't leave him alone. I was like, that would be so annoying to me. You ever see the piece where he was like getting followed by like TMZ or whatever. And like he accidentally walks into a fucking sign. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Kanye, dude. you all right? Fuck off. All right, Fuck Kanye, have off. a good day. That wouldn't happen if I wasn't fucking thinking in my head about you fucking piece of shit paparazzi. <laughs> I get it because they're trying to take pictures of you in your bad moments. But, dude, what really got me was when – bringing up my favorite girl again, Jennifer Aniston. Um, I was watching her, like, stardom, like a little documentary on, like, everything and the tough moments in her life and where she came from and stuff. And she was, like, really abused by her mom. And this woman in this interview was trying to get that out of her. Like, do you think it was your fault? I was like, what? And then Jennifer Aniston's like trying not to tear up. And she's like, um, can we like, she's like being really polite and being really respectful. I was like, yo, most people would just tell her to fuck off. Yeah. See, I don't have that patience. <laughs> I would definitely be like, excuse me. Um, can you hit me with a real question or are you just going to break my balls? See, that's when like I look at shows like where people try and like interview people or try and talk to people and then they try and dig real deep or they try and pry at stuff you know that it's probably not a good thing to bring up. And I'm like, are you just doing it for content? Like, I mean, that sucks if you really bring somebody in like that. I mean, I've seen so many bloopers and stuff where like I've seen Snoop Dogg tell someone to fuck off. I've told like I've seen a bunch of them. I'm like, I get it. It's better views, but it's still it's like, damn, you're literally just making someone hate you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man, I don't know. I, there's a constant thing with that. Like, you see people just trying to make content, and sometimes it's cringeworthy, and sometimes it's, you know, fucking incidents like that. Just the fuck off moment. <laughs> well, even when it comes to, like, making music and stuff, like... Oh, yeah. Like... Beefs. Yeah. Beefs, dude. Beefs. What, about, what about those? Those are just fabricated today to make sales. I mean, back in the day, what was it? It was Ice Cube and all that with NWA. And then, you know, Cypress Hill came in there a little bit too. I mean, those yeah. but those were good, good things now. Like they did it in like, a, I guess, a good mixture of a way. Now it's just like, hey, Tom, fuck you. And it's like, what? Did that just happened in the song? Yeah. And then social media adds to the, the whole thing. And then it's like, oh, do you hear about these two bands that are just completely being bitches on the internet to each other and writing about each other in songs? <laughs> And even not even talking about bringing things back like roller rinks or okay moon shoes I could I could handle moon shoes oh, but I could fuck with them bring back good classic actual music dude yeah I feel you what do you mean you, are you talking like nineties alternative I'm talking about the heart and soul in a song man it seems like yeah, that is you. so gone now like everything's just meant to be a top hit or top chart. Just with the funky little beat that you like. Have you ever seen that video four chord song? No. There's a dude that recreates every single popular song from back in the day using the same four chords because he found out that's what every song back then was made of. of oh. just, yeah, and it's like songs yeah. leading up to now. It's this thing that hits the billboard charts. What happens is it's so catchy, it gets stuck in your head. How long was Old Town Road stuck in your head? For a couple Ooh, months. Fuck that song, dude. Fuck that song. They brought it back with the um 
Super Bowl commercials, and it was yeah. like, God damn, we can't escape it, dude. But I'm saying that song was really, really popular when it came out, and then a couple months later, it was gone. It's not meant to be a forever song. It's meant to be a hit real quick and then go away, make a bunch of bucks and then go away. That's how the studios capitalize on it now. I mean, Sweet Emotion, I mean, those songs that were made with actual, like, I guess trying, I would say, you know, a passion for music. I mean, oh, dude, they made Sweet Emotion all banging on pots and pans after a Woodstock mm. concert and someone dropped off supplies, I guess, during a time of like war or something. They were meant to drop off a bunch of like it was back in the day you would drop off like hot dogs and stuff using a giant crate that would be like dropped off by an airplane. Well, one of them got mistracked or something and it was in well, a, Woods, a Woodstock concert and freaking uh, what's his name? Steven Tyler uh, and his bandmates and a bunch of people were uh, sitting around at Woodstock collecting after all everybody left and everything. And they dropped a bunch of pots and pans. And next thing you know, everybody's playing music just on the pots and pans. Yeah, do you know? I, I definitely hear that. I think we're coming into a new era with the access of being able to promote yourself and advertise yourself without the need of having a fucking brand. Because what you got is you got producer interference on everything that's on the radio. First off, the record labels, as soon as you're signed, send somebody like to like sit there, analyze what you're doing and fucking tell you what you're doing wrong. And that's a big problem because if a record label noticed you in the first part, you're doing something right because they obviously see that you have like uh, you know production to what you're doing do you think that's all because we're being home producers we are able to get our own equipment now it feels like yes back then instagram and youtube dude i mean it's beautiful like anybody listening if you're thinking about doing music do it like i love music dude i'm networking with people across the seas right now and doing fucking collaborations like we're doing great productions songs like you can do it like i'm telling you anybody can well, back in the day, I mean, you had to pay for studio time and then you basically had to hurry up and get it done. You couldn't really put a lot of effort into it. Now you can just work on it for months and months and months. But it seems like a lot of people aren't really doing that. A lot of people are just kind of doing it real quick and trying to make a bunch of content because there's already so much out there. It seems like everybody's trying to make a name for themselves quickly. I'm like, dude, shit takes time. It's like making a fish tank. It takes fucking time. Well, Dude, I, let me tell you, I, like I was saying, I got one song coming out on an album with a group. I put, I can't even tell you how many man hours into that song alone because it was a pro, like a production of love. Like I love the beat, I love the song, and I sang on it. Like it was just a lot of work. Like take your time, like figure out your vibe, figure out who you are. Like don't fucking rush it. Like that's the biggest thing I would say to anybody in music because it's like it's easy to just like, oh, that sounds good, put it out. Like no, that's not what you want to do. Like you're limiting yourself. You don't want to go crazy with it, but you want to like take your time and let an idea evolve. And I guess that could be with any fucking creative being at, at all, like podcasting, everything. Like take your time with the idea. It will blossom. Well, what type of music uh, do you create? Synthwave right now. Um, but I, I was like the, the front man in a lot of like hardcore, post-hardcore, pop punk bands, like all my life since I've been 15 years old. What do you try and stylize your music on? Pop and punk? Um, dude, if you looked at my SoundCloud, I got EDM, I've got, uh, fucking pop punk. I've got cover covers, you know, like shit like that. But, uh, the biggest thing I'm doing right now is I'm trying to get more involved with the synth wave community actually. <laughs> so what exactly it's, is the synth wave community? I'm clueless here. So, you know, have you ever heard of Kavinsky? Mm -mm. No. Okay. So it's like, it's more BC electronic beats like of the eighties and um, you know, 
pop vocals type deal. Um, very fluent in, in funky melodies. It's a lot of fun. A lot of synth in it as well. Obviously, synthwave. As much as I know about it from like, I know about like Skrillex and all this stuff, but my buddy's brother who passed away, um, I remember before it happened, he would be like up at like two o'clock in the morning um, till I think four o'clock in the morning doing a radio broadcast of this techno music. And he didn't give a fuck who was in the house. His mom would be sleeping. Me and my buddy would be like watching. um, What's that show that came out? Uh, F is for family, like the very first season oh, yeah, when it finally, yeah, when it finally just got on Netflix, brand new. So we're sitting there drinking energy drinks at like two o'clock in the morning, and all you hear is, <gasps> like soup. I mean, whole oh, house yeah. shaking. He had the subwoofers hooked up, had that thing oh, turned up God. to eighty six, dude. He couldn't was, do that on a monitor. <laughs> no, man. And he was blasting, and he would come out and like grab like um some Ritz crackers and some spray cheese, and go back in his room and just do that. And we're like, what the hell, my my buddy's like. Um, he was the person that was on my first episode, Skylar George. Shout out to him. But uh, he was like, um, "Oh yeah, my brother does a radio time on this sta- or or what for this radio station. He has a certain time from like three hours or something. We're just producing songs. I'm like, so he has this turned up this loud while your mom's trying to sleep because he don't give a fuck." I was like, "I get it. I saw him just walk out into the kitchen, grab Ritz crackers and spray cheese, and not bat an eye." <laughs> dude yeah dude anything i'm telling you like even local radios like dude they'll have co- like i grew up in a college area so it's a little more evident here but dude late night if you listen to the fucking radios around here dude you get some weird shit because they let people experiment late night and i like that yeah i know my uh parents both own radio stations so oh, shit. like yeah. my mom's radio station um well, my mom works like high manages one. My dad actually owns one. But um, my mom, she works for a popular one. It's like a, kind of like a reggae station. But there's a dude that used to come on way back in the day before she was like so high up now where my dad was still involved into it. And there was a guy called DJ Batman. And when I was telling you before about this podcast that I want to send you, it's called The Crab Feast. And there's comedians from Baltimore. His name's Ryan Sickler. And um, he actually like the reason why I love his podcast so much is because he talks about Ocean City. He talks about Maryland. He talks about everything where I'm from moments of his life when he was a kid. And he talked about one of the guys I used to listen to on the radio all the time at like two o'clock in the morning. That was fucking nuts. And his name was DJ Batman. And this dude was old and he would play on a reggae station some folk songs that were like, what the fuck are we listening to? Okay, so he's putting his own shit out there. He's like, this is what I like, and if you don't like it, fuck you. He's like, you ever heard of the Beatles? And then he would just start playing, like, one of their worst songs ever, and it would be at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. You're like, I, what are we listening to right now? He's playing the B-sides, baby. He's he's important. He's shining the B-sides, the things that never get the light of day. <laughs> he's got a critical part in media. <laughs> With the name DJ Batman. <laughs> it's so fucking original i love it well if i mean have you ever thought about getting into radio at all um you know i have but i would rather create a podcast for free that i don't have anybody telling me what i have to do i want to be ridiculous i want to you know be able to have a beer while i'm on air i want to you know i like marijuana i smoke weed while we're we're podcasting normally you know like it's just i don't want that fucking shit i want to be in my home studio i want to be comfortable and I want to say what I want to say. And we avoid politics. So like we already like cut out half the bullshit with that, like on our show. Um, it's just something we don't touch on because people get so confrontational. 
Yeah, I always try to make sure everything stays. It's like a conversation. I remember uh, my dad, he, you know, when he got his own station and everything, I told him like I was going to do this podcast or something. I was going to start something. He's like, why don't I just get you your own radio segment? I was like, because if you give me that, then it's going to be a script and then it's going to be a lot of questions. Then I'm not going to have freedom. Yeah. And then it's going to be this, that, and this, and it's not going to be my show anymore. It's going to turn into, I could easily be like, what's your favorite color? What's this? What's that? What's this? How'd you do in that movie? Let's see when your book's coming out. But I'm like, I'd rather be like, have you ever thought about chasing down Bigfoot? Dude, exactly. Now you're talking. That's our mascot for our show. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's exactly it, dude. And that's why I love podcasts. And now that YouTube is like really easy to watch the podcast in video form, dude, they are better than a lot of television shows you're going to watch. I'm telling you, like, if you take the time to go on YouTube and watch it, like, whatever your niche is, true crime, comedy, whatever, like, there's a lot of good video content as well. And that makes it a whole new element. Well, it's and, like for so long, dude. podcasters think the way to be famous or be on the top was like do a bunch of stuff that would get a bunch of people like super interested in such as topics they already know people are interested in or pick a topic that everyone steers away from and talk about it so people will be outraged when they listen to it. I'm like, it's so mm -hmm. easy just to have a real podcast to the point where you're just like, you know, you get to bond with the person. Yeah, dude. And yeah, it's almost trolling at the other point, like where you're just trying to get clickbaity fucking bullshit going on in confrontation and i've just always identified more with authentic conversation i mean there's a lot you can pick up from a person just talking about their daily activities while they're on a podcast i mean it's it's a whole new element compared to all the bullshit i mean media is crazy when you put on like normal cable television it is such bullshit anymore you remove the laugh track from 98 percent of these fucking shows you're watching they aren't funny, dude. You're just laughing on cue. All Have right. I hate to tell you the Big Bang Theory without. A I can't track. fucking stand the Big Bang Theory anymore. And I bought I'm not going to lie. I bought into that the first season. I literally was like, OK, there's intelligence in this show. Maybe this is going to be something different. No, dude, it's the same bullshit, dude. They're just feeding you the same pattern that you don't identify as family matters, as whatever show input any show that's a comedy sitcom like, dude they're all the same it's Damn. crazy that's a good show that needs to be brought back is freaking married with children oh dude i was a big fucking ed o'neill fan back in the day so like little giants even dude that guy's the bomb and now dude modern family i dig him on modern family i'm not gonna lie the show I don't like the kids on it. They, I guess where no. they're at now, they're not cute anymore. They're really like awkward and older. So it's really, really weird to watch, but he's such a classic actor. And like the weird thing is, is like that show wouldn't be able to be done today. Yeah, dude. No, no, man. A lot of shows that we love would not be able to be done today. And the PC culture that we live in. And it's, it's kind of sad, dude. Cause I, I'm all for, hit and miss like production like if you fucking take a swing and you miss okay that's fine dude i'm not gonna hold it against you i know some people are but like i'd rather somebody take a swing at trying to be funny and fucking miss than have like then have to worry like oh is this gonna fucking ruin my career by saying this one single state like statement like yeah comedy just became self-deprecating because that's the easiest jokes to make is one about yourself no one's gonna yell at you for making yeah. fun of yourself it's the safest territory, honestly, when you're talking about comedy. I'm a big fucking fan of comedy. 
uh i've done one stand-up event i'm afraid to do another one honestly but like i love comedy i study it i am a big fan like i try to get nothing but comedians on our show a lot of the time and uh yeah that's just the roughest area but i am noticing a curve where it's coming back to wild comedy and you got guys like you know uh i like to say the gas digital guys like really take a fucking risk and say whatever the fuck they want you know legion of skanks real ass podcast uh zach amico we just had him on in fucking like those guys are just wild they do whatever they want they don't fucking care if you're gonna be upset like sorry who's the like top that. five podcast you listen to top five i listen to i listen to a lot of mainstream shit a lot of weird shit so like i'd have to say like um number one these days will be the real ass podcast no joke lewis j gomez and zach amico um number two would probably be like tom segura's podcast your um, mom's house i was listening to it before you got on your mom's house um number three i would dude this is a tough battle too i mean i like a lot of podcasts so i, I like two bears one cave a lot too so i almost wanted to put it in there i'm not going to mention it because of that they're like have you seen uh, um the honeydew with ryan sickler I haven't. It's on YMH. Um, I've seen clips, like I've seen clips and shit, and obviously I've seen Sickler on many podcasts. And he's a um, type of guy that content. like his comedy is making fun of those bad moments in your life, coming from a comedian's aspect. But the before podcast was called the Crab Feast. That's the one you need to look up. I'll send you an episode that I told Jesse to look up. It's this Salvia trip that'll make you trip your balls off. Oh fuck, Salvia, dude! We had that in our hometown for a little bit, and we all tried it one time, and. I literally have a, a little like case of it still to this day from what was that your trip. Time. Like you got to tell me, please. I'm so interested. Okay. Um, so hit it. And like, it, it was probably two or three minutes of just giggling, nonstop laughing and not making sense of any of the images I was seeing. Like a lot of like, um, a lot of just like fucking shapes and different craziness. It's like, almost like you were looking through one of those child uh, gyroscopes or whatever the fuck they're called. You know, those things where you like twist it and like there's metallic shapes and shit. Oh my God. You got lucky, dude. Dude, it was so weird. And I couldn't hear a thing. That was the one problem. Couldn't hear a thing, but, but like, have you ever heard of a, what happens if you get too much salvia? No. Okay. So everybody's main trips on salvia have been too much salvia. And it's to the point where, are you sure you did salvia or you didn't do DMT? Cause DMT only lasts two to three minutes. DMT can last a little longer than that. I'm telling you, I, I dabbed DMT one time at my, my uh, weed dealer's house. He's like, I got DMT. You want to try it? I'm like, why not? And the, how dude, scary is that when you start seeing minutes a- and it's exactly like salvia, but way more intense. You hear, you see you're all over the place. You, it's almost like you you're seeing what you're seeing as a person in a really fucked up way. Like, you know, inebriated, and then you're having a whole nother universal experience at the same time. It was so fucked up, dude. Okay. I got a few things. I got, I got, I got to ask you a couple of things. So just, we're going to do it one at a time here. So okay. first time you ever saw drugs, when you saw something that was not what you're used to seeing, like weed, when the first time you see that, it's like, Oh my God, it's weed. You know, like that whole yeah. thing that gets over with. I remember the first time I saw cocaine and how normal it was for the person that was doing the cocaine. 
Yes. That scared the shit out of me. I was at my uh, buddy's yeah. house, but I barely knew the guy. I talked about a story where I dabbed too much and I actually got really super high. Like I did a dab I've never done before. I cleared this <laughs> giant thing that my buddy made. It was probably the size of a 50 cent coin. He did it for him. It was for himself. Get the fuck out of here, dude. That's that's a lot of fucking dab, bro. That's You're too telling much. me. I got locked in the bathroom for an hour and a half and I couldn't figure out where my bottom ribs were. Um, But <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep, deep, dark road i don't feel like bringing that back up giving me nightmares again but i remember <laughs> um it's a certain story with his bloodhound but that, that that same guy he was like i just met him um his name's hunter i'm not gonna give his last name out but he goes don't do that he watched my place i said what i just met him like maybe this is the second time like getting to know him like i barely even really know what i don't even know his middle name i don't know what his age is and he just goes yeah man just watch my house i'm gonna go down the street meet this guy and go give this to him i was like okay he ended up meeting this guy down the street getting in his car then driving off and being gone for four hours leaving me with his baby dog bloodhound he had cocaine laying on the middle of the table and what he told me before he left was if anybody knocks don't answer it there's a gun behind the counter walked right out where do you live where do, what area do you live in? Ocean City, Maryland. You live in Maryland. Okay, so you have, yes, that it's explains. Not, it's not anywhere should be gun territory, though. We're no, in a beach ba- town. Dude, dude, like, all right, so you're, I feel like Maryland has, like, Baltimore-style, like, areas, too. Yeah, we do. Like, so, like, you're, like, uh, upstate New York is, like, you know, there's a couple areas that are shisty, but we're all bitches pretending to be gangsters. Right? I had fucking Axe gel in my hair and was wearing a Ruka whatever jacket, a windbreaker, <laughs> and I'm sitting there with a bloodhound on my lap knowing that there's a Dude. pound of cocaine laying on the table. How old are you at this point? I was 19. Yeah, that's so you're young. You're like, what the fuck is going on? I he mean, should be back by now. That's a, crazy. He was, he's probably like 26 or 27, but he was nice. He was like, do you want to try a hit? And I was like, I can't even control my ADHD. There's no way I'm taking that. Dude, same thing. Um, I hung out with like older dudes like when I was like 19 too. Like hung out with my brother's friends. My brother was a terrible influence on me. And uh, dude, same thing. I tried cocaine with one of my brother's friends for the first time. I did it one time, like, you know, like trying it out and dude, it's just, it's such a weird thing seeing hard drugs for the first time. And then like contemplating, like, should I try it? Should I not? I I love it because every time I've ever tried a drug, I've never tried cocaine, but every time I've ever done a drug, it's always been with someone that does it all the time. So I try and keep up with them to the point where, Oh God, no, that's wrong. Yeah. I have a terrible experience with like alcohol. Like what's your worst drunk experience you've ever had? Oh, dude, one time um, we so like, uh, I don't know if Jesse was probably there earlier, but he wasn't in the car with the group of people at the time. We had all right. So we grew up, we had a compound, basically an abandoned school with like six huge ass buildings. I'm talking the gym was its own building. And uh, we would hang out there when we were about uh, 17 to 20. And uh, it was kind of like the universal spot. Like we all like, it was like 15 minutes from our house. We'd all go there, hang out. Like you'd go there. Oh, you're here. What's up, dude. You'd like be looking for somebody. Cause you saw their car parked in the hidden parking lot. We got wasted there so many times. And I'm talking one night we, we were walking around with gallons, like the handles of captain Morgan, like not just a bottle, but like the big ass bottle that has a fucking glass handle on it. And I know what you're talking about. We all had one at that night. And uh, I down the whole fucking thing, dude. And we were dropping off people at the end of the night. I was like, all right. Like I pulled out of the school and stuff. And I'm like, I can't drive. Had my girlfriend at the time drive. Not wasted, really. 
Uh, so she drives and we get to like stop one, which is 20 minutes away from the place. And we're dropping off the person. It's probably three 30 in the morning. <laughs> and like his house is only 20 feet from where we are right now. And I'm like, I got to fucking, I got to fucking puke guys. I got to fucking puke. And I just like whip my door open and I'm riding shotgun. Just start fucking blowing chunks while screaming. Like, so I know that sounds weird, but like you can't even imagine I'm death metal screaming while fucking vomiting. Like, <gasps> like, and it's so fucking loud. And it's, we grew up in upstate New York. It's quiet as fuck, dude. There's crickets. You hear the crickets. So I'm outside their house, just, <laughs> and everybody in the car is like, stop, we got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, I can't stop. Dude, this goes on for like three minutes. Like I'm just screaming, dude, the worst experience of my life. Almost. You didn't get caught or anything? No, dude. Luckily, no. Parents didn't even come outside somehow. I don't know. Uh, never heard anything, so I don't know if the kid got in trouble when we were dropping him off. I, see, I had a really bad drunk experience. I um, My brother, I was like 17 years old. I just graduated. I think it was the summer of. And I was staying at my mom's house. And I remember my brother gave me a giant thing of fireball. He drank a couple sips and he was like, I don't like it. It gets me too messed up. He's four years older than me. So he gives me this, like those giant, like you're saying, the ones with the glass handles, but he gives me one of those giant ass bottles of fireball. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those things. Oh yeah. But I don't drink beer and I don't drink alcohol because like it kind of alcoholism runs in my bloodline a little bit. So I've always kind of steered away from it. So when I drink, I can drink a lot and I could drink really hard stuff. Like I can kill two bottles of Jack by myself and like that can barely get me. But um, I actually proved that one night too on my birthday. My brother buys me two bottles of Jaeger, the giant ones, and he does a shot. I do I basically kill both bottles that night. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I remember doing that fireball. I was taking sips of it, like little, you know, little sips. I was sending Snapchats to my buddy. Like I'm watching uh, the movie was the Forbidden Kingdom with Jackie Chan. I'll never fucking forget oh, yeah. that. So I'm watching this movie and you never like that's a movie that I'll remember forever because I had such a bad experience that night that it just sticks in my head now. And I remember the TV screen getting like smaller and smaller and smaller as this bottle of liquor got lower and lower and lower. And I mean, I almost got to like the very bottom where a couple sips was left of this giant fireball. I drank it all by myself. I get up and go to the bathroom. I'm fine. I'm fucking fine. I get up, go to the bathroom. And as I'm taking a piss, there's a shelf, like a towel rack behind where my head is, like um, against the wall. And I wasn't noticing, but it looked like the toilet was getting farther away because I was backing up and I didn't notice that. And I banged my head right on the back of the fucking towel rack, knocked myself out. What? <laughs> Woke up and my... <laughs> my mom was looking at me like are you drunk i just got up with my pants half down walked into my bedroom and laid the fuck down i went to bed oh my god uh do, do you smoke weed at all or no i see my problem with that is my brother does it every day and he's a main person i would smoke with because he'd always yeah. had it i never really bought it he was just like want to get high and i was like yep i don't need to go to school today and toss my backpack in the closet or something and um i would try and keep up with him and that's the problem when someone smokes every day, four or five times a day, and then you try and keep up with them. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You see, you're not going to keep up with me for sure. What's I'm your gonna... worst high experience? Cause I need to know because every time I've smoked, I've gotten severely sick. That makes me think I'm allergic. 
Well, just hit my bowl. So basically, the first time that I, uh, all right. So the first real bad experience I can remember was one time, like, I can only compare it to alcohol when you have too much alcohol and you get the spins and shit. And uh, I was smoking with my brother and my uncle when I was like, you know, 19 or so. And like, so to give you context, smoked weed a little bit, like uh, when I was about 13 or 14, my one of my best friends like started like selling weed, like a little middleman kid. And uh, I tried it, but I wasn't inhaling. So I didn't know anything about weed. Come 18, I tried again. Start smoking weed, really. So like, I'm probably like 19. And I try to smoke with my brother and my uncle who are like, you know, the potheads. They've been smoking forever. And I smoke with them a couple of uh, like big, big fucking blunts. Like, and it's like really good weed. And I've been smoking mids. Like, you know, I got shitty connections because I'm a kid. And they got really good weed. <laughs> they got like California weed. So I smoke with them and I just proceed to go into my uncle's house. And I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Like, I'm trying to fucking... It was like a party going on. So there was like a whole table full of food. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat something. I couldn't decide. And also I'm like, I'm getting sick. <laughs> and dude, I passed out on the bathroom floor like a drunk. I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to fucking throw up. Nope. No, I'm not going to throw up. I'm okay. I'm okay. Hold up. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> like it was fucking horrendous. I know that way too well. Ugh. My worst high experience I've said on here before um this kind of proves that's true a little bit too but uh i've been trying to get this kid on my podcast he won't he doesn't want to talk about it but he picked me up from my dad's house in ocean city um we went to this like kind of creek you know in the back where like the woods is a little bit secluded um but it's more like a golf course style type thing so we're smoking and he has his girlfriend in the car uh, with us and everything. She's up front in the passenger seat. I'm in the back. What happened was I got way too blazed to the point like it felt like someone turned the saturation color in my eyes up. So the sun was kind of going down. Everything was bright red. It looked like fucking the scene from like Jurassic Park or some dinosaur movie when there's a volcano erupting and the whole sky turns red and everything gets like weird green that's what started happening in my eyes i got the fucking spins where you want to talk about a funnel cake Ooh. i felt like i was on a fucking tilt a world dude that thing that makes your but the back it like it inside your head is spinning not like anything else just your head I don't know what that is, but it, is, it made me so fucking nauseous. And I remember he starts doing spin outs in his car, like doing little like, you know, Whoa, little, like trying to fuck no made it twice as bad. We're driving. He goes, he turns around. He goes, you're right, dude. And my face is fucking pale, man. I look like I someone just like, I don't know. I had like I was dying from Ebola or something. And he looks at me and he goes, are you all right? I'm like, huh? And I'm like looking in the rear view and I could see myself like my colors all gone and pale white eyes look messed up. I start feeling like I have to puke. He sees that as I go to vomit. <laughs> I mean, throw up. I kind of, it gets like, I like trying to catch it with your hands type deal. He sees that and immediately I faster than I can even imagine opens up the back door, like reaches in the back, pulls out, opens up my back door and pushes my head right out the car. And I just go dude. And freaking oh. worst experience ever, man. And I remember, so this is good context for that situation before that. I always talk about weed being a good insider to kind of tell you what you're doing wrong in your life. More like if you're drinking too much soda, it'll make you feel that. If you're drinking too much whatever, if you're eating too much, it'll let you feel that. If you eat too unhealthy, I feel like it kind of brings you into more sensitivity with your body. I think that's a good way of saying it. Um, 
but I ate chicken tenders, the little dino nuggets with oh, yeah. I know those fucking dino nuggets. <laughs> Ken steak honey mustard. But okay. I okay. would use half a bottle on like four nuggets to where you're basically Yo. drinking soup with that honey mustard. So that was in my body and I threw that up. And I've oh. I've never been able to even stomach looking at a bottle of that stuff anymore. Nowhere near as pleasant when it's coming back up. That's for sure. I can't fuck with Hawaiian punch because of that to this day. We had threw Hawaiian, up Hawaiian punch, punch. Threw up. That's a wrap, boy. No more Hawaiian punch in this guy's life. Even though I know it's delicious. You don't got to tell me. Don't fucking tell me how delicious Hawaiian punch is with that little captain guy. I know. But guess what? I threw it up. It's over. That's the same thing with me and Doritos. I when I oh. drank that Fireball, I was killing spicy nacho Doritos. Oh, not so a good combo, bro. Not this is when combo. I was working out. Like, I mean, I still work out, but like, this is when I was like doing it like twice a day when I didn't have like a job during. Um, I think it was summer. Yeah, it was the summer. Yo, yo. When I after that Fireball experience, I went to the gym the next day. I sweated nothing but spicy nacho Dorito, and I sweated nothing but freaking <laughs> Fireball, dude. I can't stand cinnamon. I can't stand walking down the chip aisle. And it's been almost like five years since that. That'll happen, dude. That'll happen, man. Those things will stick with you for God knows how long. Those are the good times we remember. Dude, yeah, you're never going to forget them. That's for fucking sure. (laughs) What's your best high experience? Best high? Dude, I don't know, man. Uh, You know, I can't help but get nostalgic. I'm a very nostalgic man. and. I'm very lucky. I had a lot of friends like back in the day. We grew up like with a normal thing where we would smoke in huge groups. And uh, I miss those days, dude. I'm going to say like the school growing up was a lot of fun. We had like we literally had four years at a personal compound that I mean, I'm talking we had a gym with a pool that we swept out and cleaned and used it for skateboarding. I mean, we had a chill room that had couches and like it was our spot. Nobody knew about this place. And uh, I would just say those were my best experiences, like just chilling in a group of like 15, 20 people in a room on all these couches, passing around blunts and bullshitting and going on adventures on the property and stuff. Like it was a lot of fun, man. You know, I just enjoy that's what I enjoy about weed. I think weed is a bonding drug. It's uh, it's fun to share with people. You know, just like liquor, I could say, but I've never been much of an alcohol guy. Like I drink during, you know, our podcast on the weekend, but I don't drink during the week. It's definitely a bonding experience. I just think it needs to be done in the correct amount, I would say. Yeah, exactly, dude. I think my best moment is my me and my brother getting high all the time, but we smoked and then went to our grandparents' house and we had like a really deep connection, like with uh you know, like we did the some yard work, and the next thing you know, uh, we got you know high again. When it started to wear off, we spent most of the day up there, and then we're watching movies and stuff with them, like old home movies, I would say. Um, oh, and yeah. it was just cr- crazy to see that, and it got kind of a little bit like you could sense the love in the air. I would say. I remember we're driving home listening to Three Eleven, and at the time Fuck at my yes. mom at my mom's house, we had a drum set in the middle of the family room. So my brother drops me off and he's like, I'm going to go back. I need to go uh, meet a couple people, probably get more butt or something. He drops me off. So it's like, I'm 16 years old. I'm home with a drum set in the middle of the family room. And there's peanut butter, chocolate chip cookie dough, ice cream in the freezer. 
So I just open up the freezer, leave it open because I forget to close that shit. I was worried about the ice cream. Grab a spoon, sit on the drum set in the middle of the family room, just playing the same simple beat over and over again, which in my head, I thought it sounded as good as the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But it was just like done. <laughs> it was just like over and over again. And it was like this yeah. funky beat. So I'm sitting there eating this ice cream and just hitting like the bass pedal and hitting the snare. And my freaking mom walks in and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, I don't even know. And she goes, are you high? I'm like, yep. And she's like, can you put my ice cream back? I said, nope. <laughs> uh, but you don't do that, man. You know, I stand behind it, though. It's uh, it's a very communal thing. I love smoking with different people. And I've had the pleasure of smoking with, you know, the craziest variety of people. Uh, even, you know, like we grew up with a venue in the city next to our little town and it was not uncommon to like go to a concert and see an act that you loved. And then afterwards be like, Hey, I have weed. Do you want to smoke? And they'd be like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. So like, I feel like it's, it's a very unique experience and almost I've used it as a tool like podcasting. So like I've smoked with people on vacation on, you know, like whatever it is like all over. And, uh, Again, you get to talk to people and figure out what they're about, and you get a little glimpse of like inside of you know a person. They're the memories that you remember the most because I feel like they really stick in your head. I mean, you lose detail and lose aspect of everything that you come across basically every single day. You can't remember what you do every single day. You don't remember what the color of the trees were on July sixth of nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> you know, but yeah. there's certain moments like I remember every time I've ever smoked. I've done it probably twenty or thirty times, but I remember everything in distinct detail because it was just so impactful to me. Yeah, man. And I think that's important when it's all said and done. I mean, it's all about experience. It's not about, you know, the bullshit of like accumulation of product or whatever the fuck it may be. Like I'm a huge collector, but when I, like I also look at it like, fuck, this is a nuisance at the same time having products like that I'm like cling to. Like there's something about freeing about it, you know? Uh, yeah, I get it. I mean, it's it's like I said, it's for some people and it's not for others, but I think it's just an overall really kind of bringing to life experience. I definitely, once I've done it, I, I see the world a little bit differently. I start to notice like I'm um, losing detail in a lot of things, like certain things like the trees swaying. It's a lot about taking time and kind of finding oneself a little bit. Yeah, dude. And that's fucking life, dude. It's Is it not? I mean, we're all just trying to find out who we really are and we're bullshitting through 75% of it, you know? Exactly. And I really appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast, man. It was dude, awesome being able to talk to you. A lot of fun, dude. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I had a lot of fucking fun, man. And uh, really good show. I love your show, man. A lot of fun. Um, I just, I'm going to keep listening to like all the other episodes you've done with like different people, walks of life. It's, it's interesting, man. I appreciate it, man. I really want to give you here a minute at the end to be able to plug your show too. Um, you know, anything too, and also maybe some music that you're releasing. Hell yeah, man. Uh, check out American Slacker podcast. Uh, new Wednesday, every new episode. My God. Wednesday is episodes uh, when we release. Uh, my fucking music right now, uh, Delta City. I've been working with this group for a while now. Uh, we're releasing a music video. We're releasing a new track that's coming out April 24th. But uh, yeah, I stay busy, man. I'm always working on music and the podcast. So definitely check us out. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, dude.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode.